Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. It is so good to be back with y'all this week. And it is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. I didn't hear you. It's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise him together.
how many people were thankful on Thursday? Let me see your hands. You were thankful. Uh, this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How many still thankful? Let me see. One of the things I listed I was thankful for in my prayers to the Lord was this church. I thank God for First Baptist Church. Thank God for all of you. It's such a privilege and honor to be able to be your pastor, and I thank you for the privilege of doing that. Uh, if you are visiting by way of uh, Facebook or YouTube, thank you for doing that. If you're in the room, uh, there's a card right here. It's right in front of you in the seat back, and I'd like for you to take that and fill it out and then turn it in at the end of the service. We'll give you a Starbucks card for doing that. Please put down your actual information, not somebody else's, okay? Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and also, if, if you're not getting weekly e-connect, um, uh, let, what do you call those, messages or whatever, uh, put your, your contact information here and we'll try to get that to you so you know what's going on and the outlines and all of that go to you. Let's, let's right now bow our heads in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much again and still as we do every single day for the blessings of life. Lord, you're an amazing God. You bless us in amazing ways. Father, we're so grateful for some more hostages being released today. Thankful for those that have been uh, returned <clears throat> to Israel and are, some are on their way home now to other places. And we thank you for that. We pray that more would be released and that all of the hostages would be able to go home and that you would resolve the situation uh, that's going on in Israel and Gaza and that you would do so for your honor and for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessings of life, just the, the blessings of being able to go to church, the blessings of, of being able to get together with family and celebrate holidays. And Father, thank you for a place that's safe here. And we ask you to bless us, and may you be honored in all that we do and say and think in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. And again, if you're a first-time guest, please take one of these right in front of you in the seat back. Fill it out and then give it to me or give it to my wife. Or if you want to put it in the offering box, which is to the left of the double doors, it's a brown box on a stand with a cross on top. You go ahead and put that there and we'll have your information. Also, uh, then after this service, we're going to have a 10-minute meeting. Arabelle, Annabelle, where are you? Right back here. 10-minute meeting for all the guys that are serving, Correct. So the guys that are serving, and if you, do you have everybody you need? Okay, all right. So if you signed up, be here. Broken legs are no excuse. Uh, you know, be here if you signed up. Uh, but stay for the meeting for about 10 minutes or so after the service. Uh, also, it's my privilege to be able to welcome uh, into our fellowship Christian Garner. So I'm going to ask him to come. <clears throat> Christian is... Trusted Christ as a personal Savior, been scripturally baptized here not that long ago. God bless you, Christian. We're glad. To, it's good to have a, another Christian in church. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thursday, 7 p.m. Fitz, uh, you have, is it public announcement or no? You have a meeting Thursday? Thursday at 7? Thursday at 7. Yeah. Parents meeting. Parents. Parents meeting of high school students and, yeah, middle school. Yeah. It's about the library stuff. In our schools. I'm interpreting for Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Thursday. Uh, Saturday, ladies' tea at 5 p.m. Be sure to be here early for that. Looking forward to that. Next Sunday, Luke's Revelation of the Righteous, first Christmas message of the year. And then ladies' Bible study. Do we have a sign-up for that, Julie? Where is it? You're going to make that announcement, right? Okay, come on up, Sherry. This would be a good time for you to come up. And we've got the red mic for Miss Sherry, and she's got a couple of announcements here. Hi, everyone. My name is Sherry, and I'm going to be leading the study in starting January 5th by Max Lucado called Fearless. Annabelle is going to be passing around sign-up sheets so they will make their way to you. And she is prepared to answer any questions that you may have. Um, so, but first of all, I'd like for, to show you a video of uh, kind of the, what we're going to be uh, studying. Thank you. 
Hi everybody at ChristianBook.com, Max Locato here, and I'm excited to introduce Fearless to you. You know, reading this can really get to you. Every day, there seems to be more bad news, more reason to be worried. The headlines scream the same things, layoffs at work, slowdowns in the economy, downturns in the housing market, upswings in global warming. The plague of our day, terrorism, begins with the word terror. Fear, it seems, has taken up a hundred-year lease on the building next door and set up shop. Oversized and rude, fear herds us into a prison and leaves us there. Wouldn't it be great to leave it all behind? I'm not just talking about hiding your head in the sand and not reading the newspapers, but to really walk out on fear. Imagine your life wholly untouched by angst. What if faith, not fear, was your default reaction to threats? If you could hover a fear magnet over your heart and extract every last shaving of dread, insecurity, or doubt, what would remain? Envision a day, just one day, where you could trust more and fear less. Can you imagine a life without fear? And you have a sign up for that? And here it comes. So, ladies, highly recommend that. So, go ahead and sign up for that. And thank you, Sherry, for heading up that Bible study. Also, I want, to, I want you to be ready for Christmas Eve. I know it's a ways away, but it'll be here like in a snap of the fingers because that's the way time goes now. But Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, so we will be having our Sunday morning service. Yes, we're going to have church on Christmas Eve. Whose birthday are we talking about, people? <laughs> Jesus' birthday. I don't understand canceling church because, well, it's on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. That, that's a perfect time to get together and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Amen. And then Sunday night, because it's Christmas Eve, we're going to get together for our candlelight service and already getting in the mood here. I think that I think the temperature of the stage has gone up 10 degrees with all the fire that's up here. But, uh, but we'll be having 10 o'clock and then again 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve uh, services. So hope you'll be planning to be here for all of that. Let's go ahead and continue to worship the Lord together in song. We'll have you stand one more time.
join me would you join me in a word of prayer as we ask special prayers for Gary Webb right now <clears throat> battling some serious physical problems <clears throat> and also my cousin um, in Kentucky who's battling very serious problems so father we bow before you we do adore you and we adore you because you first adored us you first loved us Lord we wouldn't even know what love is were it not for you so we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for seeking us out. We thank you for finding us. We thank you, Father, for the promises you give us, not only for this life, but when you face eternity. Thankful for the everlasting promises that you give. For the new life that we have that'll be eternal life and not be plagued by cancer, not be plagued by heart trouble, not be plagued by war. Not be plagued by accidents, but we'll be perfect. And Lord, we thank you for that promise and it keeps us going. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins and bless us. We pray your special blessings on Gary and Anita. We pray, God, that you would be their strength, their shield, their high place, their fortress, their, their place of protection, and that you would be the one who answers their prayers. <clears throat> for my cousin Jane, Lord, <clears throat> I ask you to be with her and take care of her. Lord, thank you for being our great physician as well as our personal Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come up here. Everybody else, you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, but all the boys and girls are going to come up here. And I'm going to ask you a question once we get up here, guys and gals, <clears throat> how many of you had special Thanksgiving celebrations at your house or at someone's house. Did you have Thanksgiving? How many of you ate turkey? Did you eat turkey? Almost everybody. William, did you eat some turkey on Thanksgiving? You did. Okay, that was everybody. All right. How many of you got to see family and friends on Thanksgiving? All right. How many of you were thankful to God that we don't have a war going on in our country? Because you know what? In Israel, they have a war going on right now, and I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to give you some pictures of 40 children who are prisoners or were prisoners in Israel or actually in Gaza. These are 40 children. Some of them are teenagers, and we have them right up here. And I, I, I'm so thankful that, uh, that we have three of them, as best I can tell, that have been released this little girl right here uh, was released yesterday or the day before. Uh, this little girl was released, and this young man was released. And then I heard today that a four-year-old American girl was released. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it's the same one whose parents were killed or not, but it may be. Uh, so we have a lot to be thankful for. We not only have food to eat and a place to come to this Know, know about Jesus, but we have, we don't have war going on in our country, and we're thankful for that. So I want you to take these pictures home with you, and I want you to put them somewhere where you, you'll see them every single day. And I believe that the prayers of a little child are very precious in the sight of God, 
And I think that he might just answer your prayers and release some more of these children. So at least, as far as I know, 37 of them are still in captivity today. So that's your homework. Will you do that? Pray for them. Thank you. Father, bless these kids. Lord, thank you that they're free. Thank you that they're not in captivity. Thank you they haven't been kidnapped. Thank you there's no war on our shores. And Father, I know it might not always be that way. So Lord, we're grateful for the blessings we have. We don't deserve the blessings we have. We're just grateful and thankful that you're such a generous God to us. And Lord, we ask you to be with Israel. We ask you to be with the Palestinians who are not part of uh, of the atrocious things that were done. And we pray that, God, uh, those who perpetrated these heinous crimes against Israel, uh, Lord, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior, first of all, and that justice would be done. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, kiddos. Go ahead and go to your classes, and thank you so much for being here today. Now, the day of the Lord, Armageddon, Gog and Magog, all things that are going to happen from now on for eternity. We're going to learn about it all right here today in one message. And so I appreciate Ken Connolly. Ken's not here today, I don't think, but he sent me this. He said, I'm reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, where it talks about the prophets searching intently, trying to find out about times and circumstances regarding the Messiah. And even the angels wishing they could have understood better as well. Imagine the best of the best in a bit of fog regarding the absolutes of the future. Some things are better told in reverse. If all speculation fails, stick to what you're sure of. Yeah, those words from Ken Connolly. So that leaves me very little to say today. Uh, <clears throat> in addition, I read this on Thanksgiving Day as part of my... I love it when I'm doing my devotions and, and you know, I mean, it can be like I, I planned a series however long ago, and, and it just seems like God drops the exact verses that I need. So I read Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving Day, Daniel 8, 27, and I, Daniel, Daniel fainted and was sick certain days, and afterward I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. They had a vision, but it was given right there, the angel of God, but nobody understood it. And then I was reading today, this morning, thank you, Lord. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. And I heard Daniel, the great prophet, second in charge of the kingdom uh, and command of the kingdom. I mean, an amazing young man. I heard, but I understood not. And then said I, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the end. And so this sermon has evolved from this crazy, grandiose title that I gave it uh, a couple of weeks ago, when, uh, to, just, to just Gog and Magog, and then it went to a survey of things to come. And this, I'm, I'm sure this message is going to generate more questions than it's going to give you answers. And so maybe that's good. Maybe that's good, because you'll get in and study it. But by the way, uh, I, I figured out one thing for sure. I, I know a lot less about prophecy than I did 53 years ago. 53 years ago, as a brand new graduate of Baptist Bible College, Springfield, Missouri, I had prophecy nailed down. I, knew, I preached for years exactly what's going to happen. This is it. If you don't believe this, what's wrong with you? Uh, and so, you know what? I now don't have a clue. You need to find a freshman in Bible college or in seminary and ask them because <laughs> freshmen know everything. Uh, but by the time you graduate, not so much. So look at text, uh, the text today, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm reading in the NLT. This is my second letter to you, Peter says, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the, your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffers, you know what that is, mockers, false prophets, people who belittle and make fun of the words of God and the prophecies of God, uh, that they will come mocking the truth and following their own desires or their own lusts. And they will say, what happened to the promise uh, that Jesus is coming in? Maybe you've had someone say that to you and ask you, what, what happened? You Christians talk about Jesus coming again. My parents talked about him. My grandparents talked about him. He's not back yet. What's going on? What happened to the promise? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Well, at least they, these mockers believed in creation. 
they're a lot brighter than a lot of atheists today who don't believe in creationism, who believe in evolution, um, but, but they deliberate. the Bible says in verse 5 here, they deliberately forgot. Think about that. They deliberately forgot with purpose and intent. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens. They, they just pushed that out of their minds. And the heavens are the, there's three, the atmosphere, outer space, and the abode of God. Uh, so they, they forgot on, pur- on purpose that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and that he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded with water, perhaps referring to the canopy theory uh, of why you find uh, these mastodons up in the Arctic areas with grass in their mouth still, uh, flash frozen, uh, fresh frozen when the, when the fountains of the deep and the, and the fountains above broke up and this canopy theory that, uh, that kind of covered the earth to give us a uniform degree uh, temperature everywhere and, and kind of a greenhouse effect. Uh, when it was no longer, then the poles became very, very cold and, and, and storms came and all of that. But he talks about the earth being uh, surrounded by the water and and. Perhaps that reference is what he's making there. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood in the days of, uh, of Noah. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, I have said before that it was Jonah uh, by mistake. I don't know why I do that, but my brain defaults to this. So I always have to stop and think about it. But it was Noah. So he, he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, listen to this. The present heavens and earth have been stored up for what? Fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. God has no wristwatch, right? He's not bent by, he's not held by any schedule. He's not, uh, he, he is not in any way uh, impatient. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think, Peter explains. No, he's being patient. Why? For your sake, he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. There's an argument against hyper-Calvinism right there, okay? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent. God would love for everyone to repent. God is sovereign, but he still, in his provision, uh, makes it possible for us to respond to the gospel plea, and he knows what we're going to choose, but he doesn't make us choose that. That's a whole different sermon. What am I doing? Verse 10, (laughs) but the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief, and sometimes we apply this to uh, the rapture, uh, but it's not the same. The rapture is not coming as a thief, uh, the, the, but this day of the Lord will come as a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything, verse 11, around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly li- lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, on that day he will set the heavens on fire. Now, stop and think about this. The atmosphere contains um, hydrogen, which is highly flammable, and oxygen, which is about 21%, I'm told, of the atmosphere is oxygen, which is necessary for combustion. So we have right now hydrogen, and we have oxygen supplies in the heavens, and the elements all have a kindling point. Every single one of the elements on the periodic table have a kindling point. Some are lower, some are higher. Uh, But the Bible says the elements will melt away in flames. By the way, someone says, well, with so much ocean, how could this possibly happen? How could everything catch on fire, the earth catch on fire with the oceans? Well, uh, 70% of our globe is covered in ocean, in salt water, sodium chloride, H2O. You ever done, I've told you about this before, my famous uh, uh, attention grabbing technique in chemistry class was to drop sodium in a beaker of water and watch the flames rise to the ceiling and the beaker shatter and the water go everywhere and uh, my professor running over to see what exactly had happened. Because sodium and water, are, they react in an explosive manner. And right now, they're held, they're held together as sodium chloride 
H2O, but, but all that has to happen is, is something, God to tweak something there, and even the water uh, on the earth's surface is going, to, is going to burn up. So guess what happens when uh, this the sodium chloride is dropped into H2O? Hydrogen is released, more hydrogen now, highly flammable. That goes up into the atmosphere, and that continues to burn. So we're looking forward, Peter says, to the new heavens and the new earth. It's, it's evidently a renewed heaven and a new earth. Just like uh, Noah's new earth was, it was cleansed by water, so this new earth is going to be cleansed by fire. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, that's one thing I'm sure about, okay? We are waiting for these things to happen. It has not happened yet. We are waiting. I am certain about that. You can put it down. Pastor Bay says 100%, we're waiting for these things to happen. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. So Peter, giving us a lot of information right there. So the day of the Lord primarily has to do with the tribulation period, a seven-year period that begins with the rapture of the church and ends with the second advent. And I think we have, uh, yeah, this slide here talks about the tribulation. There are two parts to it, two main parts that bring, your attention, bring to your attention, the rapture and the return. The rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, that's where Christians are called out of here. Now, I've got the, the text here. I was going to read it all to you, um, but I've... I've I think you're familiar with it, the, the catching out of born-again children of God uh, removed from this planet before judgment comes upon the, the heavens and the earth. So uh, I, I, used this, um, I used this text on Tuesday. I had a, someone call me Monday and said, Preacher, we had a, we've got a funeral for my mom, and she used to attend your church years ago, the other church, and, uh, and the, the person, the, the chaplain who was going to do the service had a, a stroke, and would you be available? And I said, yes, I would. And so Tuesday I went over and, uh, and preached, and I used this text and had about uh, 12 to 15 people raise their hands for salvation at the end of that service. It was, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. But I'll tell you what, uh, you want to be ready for the Lord's return. Get, if you don't know 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, read it. I'm just not going to take time. I've got so much to do today. But I am going to talk about the return, the second part, uh, the big event that takes place here in the, at the end of the tribulation now in that respect is Revelation 19 verse 11. I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Word of God is our Savior, Jesus Christ the king of glory. He's called, his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. When the Bible says in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts, he's the Lord of angel armies. I love that terminology. The Lord of angel armies. And he's clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he will rule over them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of his fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, there's pretty good agreement on the fact that there are, in conservative Christianity anyhow, that there are two different prophetic events, one occurring at the beginning of the tribulation and one at the end. The rapture at the beginning, the return at the end. Now, there are Christians, good godly Christians, who believe in a mid-tribulation. Uh, a rapture after three and a half years we're going to be taken out. Uh, I say to them, adios, I, I want to go with the first group that goes out. <laughs> and, uh, and then there are post-tribulationists. I sure don't want to hang around with you. So, uh, so, the, so pretty much everything else I say about this prophetic theme in Gog and Magog and Armageddon is going to be uh, a, a mystery. And Proverbs 25, 2 says, the glory of God to conceal a thing but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So I don't think there's any problem with us searching out these prophetic themes and trying to understand them. Uh, but I'm just going to tell you, my mind has been like spaghetti 
for the last two weeks going over this, and I, it's been cra- crazy. So you have in your, out, in your bulletins, if you got them, you have two different outlines. What's with that? Because I couldn't make up my feeble mind. That's why. So you've got one that's homework. I gave the kids homework to pray for these dear kids that are being held hostage in Gaza uh, by Hamas. I, I give you homework, this prophetic survey. These are, the, these are some key elements, the revival of the Roman Empire, and it gives you references, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel ch- chapter 7. A covenant with Israel's made, Daniel chapter 9. One world religion with a prophet, Revelation 13. Seven seal judgments, the 144,000 witnesses. By the way, you ever have a Jehovah's Witness come to your door, ask them if they're part of the 144,000, more than likely they'll say, uh, now, unfortunately, a lot of them will say no, uh, but used to they say, oh, yeah, I'm one of the 144,000, and it would usually be a couple of ladies, two or three ladies with some little babies in tow or little children, and I would say, well, that's interesting because the Bible says they're going to be Jewish men who are virgins, and I just look at the kids and say, hi, kiddos, how you doing? <laughs> and they shake their feet off and walk away. So, and then the seven trumpet judgments, the two witnesses who witness for the Lord and then are slain and, and rise again, the persecution of Israel, Armageddon. I'm not sure when Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39 are going to take place. I just tell you that right now. Uh, it's too much uh, back and forth with the commentaries and the people who are supposed to be experts in this. The second advent will take place. That's the revelation, the return uh, that we talked about. Then the resurrection of the tribulation saints, the destruction of the beast and his armies along with the false prophet. Judgments of the nations. Okay, you can read this. <clears throat> Just go ahead and take that home and study it. That'll give you some, some material for, uh, for a while, a couple of weeks, I would think. <clears throat> Notes on the Battle of Armageddon. First of all, it's not a battle. It's a campaign. <clears throat> uh, maybe, maybe that's why Gog and Magog are so difficult for me to find placement now. I used to think they were at the end of the millennial kingdom. Then I, used, then I thought maybe they're at the end of the tribulation. Now I don't have a clue. Uh, but it, it is a campaign. In, in Revelation 16, 14, for they, the unclean demonic spirits that emanate from the beast, the false prophet and Satan, are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth into the kings of battle and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And the word for battle there, if I pronounce it right, is polemos, polemos. That's the word used in Greek uh, to indicate the battle. <clears throat> the Greek word translated battle really means war or campaign. If it were a single event, there's another Greek word that would be used, M-A-C-H-E would be used, if it were just one battle. But it's evidently a campaign, and it goes on for a while. The location of Armageddon, and I think we have a map here. Uh, The location is uh, Megiddo, which is right here. And you have this Australian Valley, and it's called Valley of Jehoshaphat, and it's called the Valley of Jezreel. And up here somewhere, at least in 19, when did we go to Israel? In the 80s sometime. They had a, they had a, a, a professional sign, a large professional significant sign saying this is where the battle of Armageddon will be fought. I mean, in Israel they had that. So, uh, so that's, that's the area. It's west of the Jordan River, 10 miles from Nazareth, 15 miles from the Mediterranean coast. Many battles... Famous battles have been fought here. Biblical battles have been fought here. Deborah and Barak fought the Canaanites in Judges chapter 4 and 5. Gideon defeated the Midianites and Megiddo in Judges chapter 7. Saul, you remember Saul and his son were slain in battle. They were slain here by the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 31 verse 8. Uh, Azahiah was slain by Yehu in 2 Kings chapter 9 verse 27. Josiah, the good godly king, uh, was slain by the Egyptians in 2 Kings 23. Scores of non-biblically referenced battles have been and wars have been won and lost here. And, and uh, again, that sign uh, talks about the final campaign that will be fought. Uh, the slaughter will be so great that a literal river of blood will flow to the horse's bridles for a period of, uh, I think it's, I don't have the, uh, I think it's a couple of hundred miles, something like I'm not sure about the length there, but can you imagine a river of blood? And and I always had trouble imagining that till I saw Saving Private Ryan and saw the ocean, which is just an amazing amount of water, uh, actually turned red um, by the blood of those who assaulted the beaches. Uh, 
uh, and were slain in the process. The participants of this battle or this campaign, uh, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. There are four great world powers that are aligned uh, toward each other at some point against Israel and ultimately against God. And this is what, this is what generated my initial thought to speak on this subject uh, was that so many of the, the nations are, uh, that were prophesied that would be involved are still around and are aligned in such a way right now that this could happen any time. There's the Ten Kingdom Federation under the Antichrist, uh, which is called the Revived Roman Empire. And I believe it's in, is it in Daniel? Fitz? I think it is. Uh, there's the Northern Federation, which is Russia and her allies, perhaps some of the stand states and uh, perhaps Turkey even. The kings of the east, China is the predominant one. Maybe some other Asian countries will be involved as well. The king of the south, the North African power or powers involving Egypt, and the, and the fifth one uh, and the one that will win the ultimate uh, battle that will be fought is the king of all kings, King Jesus and heaven's armies as they ride in. The invasion of the land by the northern kingdom is seen in Daniel chapter 11. Then at the time of the end, the king of the south will arise to attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and a vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall. So the king of the north is predominantly believed to be that of Russia, which is, of course, still there. Her allies, specifically mentioned Ezekiel 38, Persia, Iran, and Iraq, um, uh, Ethiopia, perhaps Germany, and again, perhaps Turkey, not certain. Russia will be destroyed by God on Ezekiel 39. Uh, it won't require a human army to take out the king of the north. God will destroy the king of the north. And the cleanup from this war will take seven years, according to Ezekiel 39. The invasion of the land by the armies of the beast occur. The Antichrist, who's also called the beast, who's also in charge of the 10 revived nations of the Roman Empire, which is probably Europe for the most part. And the Antichrist in Israel will have a covenant for a while. So Antichrist will appear to come to Israel's defense at first and then will break the covenant, will actually set himself up as God and, and the abomination of desolation will take place when he demands that they worship him. That's when Israel will turn away from the beast, the Antichrist. The invasion of the land then occurs by the armies of the east. And for many, many centuries, the idea of an army invading, 200 million soldiers invading, was kind of looked at in disbelief. How could that possibly happen? No one has an army of 200 million strong. Guess who could have an army of 200 million strong without blinking an eye today? China, absolutely. In Revelation 16, 12, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. By the way, did you know that the land of Israel, the, the, the land promised to them by God goes all the way to the Euphrates River, all the way into several of the Arab nations that Israel has never possessed all of the land that God promised to them, initially probably because they didn't drive out uh, the enemies to begin with completely as they were supposed to, and secondly, because they went into idolatry so many times that their, their progress in, in assembling this great nation was impaired by their disobedience to God and their rebellion against God. But the, So this, all of a sudden, this Euphrates River is going to be dried up and that the way of the kings may be prepared, Revelation 16, 12. And then Revelation 9, 16 says, I heard the size of the army, which is 200 million. Uh, it, they didn't even have a word for million in Greek, so I can't remember how it's worded in, uh, in the King James and others right now, but uh, it, it doesn't use the term million because there was no term million. There's no nations with that many people, but uh, now there is. So the invasion of the land by the Lord and his armies then takes place. In Revelation 19, 19 and 21, I saw the beast, the king of the earth, and, the, and their armies gathering together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So what's going to happen at that battle when the Lord commands his armies, his Heaven's armies, angel armies, 
is uh, the, the beast and the false prophet are going to be consigned to the place burning with fire and brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of them that sat upon the horse, which the sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls of the earth filled with their flesh. So what's going to happen after the campaign, which may include Gog or Magog at some point? The armies of the south, uh, the, the nations in, in North Africa that are involved will be destroyed in the battle. The armies of the north, that confederation will be absolutely decimated supernaturally on the mountains of Israel um, by God himself. The armies of the beast and, and the east are destroyed by the Lord and his armies at the second advent because the kings of the east and the Antichrist kind of join forces against the king of kings at that point in time. Uh, and, and then the beast and the false prophet are consigned to the lake of fire. Unbelievers will be purged from Israel and believers uh, then will establish the millennial kingdom along with the Lord and Satan will be bound, Revelation chapter 20, verse two. So for the first time since the fall of, of man into sin, Satan will be bound. He will be unable uh, to perpetrate his criminal spiritual behavior. And so he will be bound for that 1,000 years. So therefore, the Lord destroys every hostile force that would challenge his right to rule as Messiah over the whole earth. And so we have a 1,000 years of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the perfect rule, a perfect reign, a perfect, can you imagine a perfect president? Can you imagine a perfect uh, governor, can you imagine, I mean, one sinless, one who, who's, who knew and knows what justice is, a one who only does what's right, who only does what's glorifying to his heavenly father. For 1,000 years, Christ will rule and reign with a rod of iron. People who disobey and rebel during that, by the way, people will go into the kingdom and they will, the people who come through the battles will reproduce those of us who are already in heaven and come back with the Lord uh, to set up the, the millennial kingdom, we will not have children anymore. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. <laughs> One time is enough. And that, down, down that road, I'm telling you right now. Uh, but, but people who go in their natural bodies into the millennium will live long, supernaturally long lives like they did before the flood. And they will have children. And guess what's going to happen after 1,000 years of perfect, righteous rule and reign? Anybody want to guess? Rebellion. There'll be another rebellion. There'll be another battle proving once and for all the sinfulness of mankind. The lostness. Of in, it's not that someone says, well, it's the environment. That's why people commit crimes. It's their environment. No, nope. they commit crimes because they're criminals, because their hearts lust after things that they want that they didn't work for and didn't earn and didn't deserve. And so criminals, they can, be, they can live in mansions and, and, and have multi-million dollar a year incomes or they can be on the street and have nothing at all. A criminal is a criminal because they, do, they act on their baser instincts and desires and, and, and greed drives them and, and sometimes necessity drives them, to be quite honest. But we have hearts that are wicked unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes into our life and washes us, cleanses us through the shed blood of the Lamb of God, and we become a new creature in Christ. That post-flood day earth was a glorious thing, no doubt, to behold. And this new heavens and new earth will be a glorious thing to behold. But I tell you what, were it not for Christ, we'd mess it all up again. And it wouldn't take any time at all. So there'll be a final battle, and I don't know if that's Gog or Magog, or I don't know what that is, but it's, it's going to be a final rebellion. And the question here is, where will you and I be? Where will we be? I don't know about you, but I want to be alongside the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be in part of his heaven's armies. I want to be, I don't want to be on the wrong side. What will we do? Who will be there? Are you ready? Christ is coming back. 
Again, the people, the nations are there. Libya and put and 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 Russia and I mean uh, all these interpreted uh, names and so the people they're there. They're ready. Does that mean the Lord's coming back in the next five years? I don't know. Could be in the next five minutes. Could be in the next 50 years. Could be in the next 500 years. I just don't think it's going to be that long. Things are so entirely messed up. It's going to take our Lord to fix everything. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for you. Thankful for your love for us. Thankful for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for an insight into what's going to happen, Lord. I'm so sorry that we can't, I can't figure it all out. I can't lay it out in a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight format. I can't, I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord. You know I tried. You know I studied and labored and wrestled with all of this and appreciate talking to others who, who also studied this. And, but I, I just pray that we would be ready at any point in time because we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know when it's going to happen. So, Lord, we need to be ready right now. And I pray for everybody in this building that they all know Christ as their personal Savior. But if someone's here who doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior and the forgiver of their sins, then may they do that right now. May they make that commitment right now. And if it's you I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not certain that the rapture took place, if you're not certain if Jesus called us on home right now that we'd be in heaven, would you like to know that? Then I'd like for you to pray this prayer that so many prayed the other day at that funeral service. Would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die and stand before you one day. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross by crucifixion. I believe he was buried and rose again on the third day. And this morning, right here where I'm seated, Lord, I want to ask you to be my God, be my Savior, to be the one who forgives me of my sin washes me clean and gives me a new heart. Holy Spirit, I pray for you to indwell me right now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, if you just prayed that prayer, you mean it. You meant it with all your heart. Would you slip your hand up and hold it up? Keep it up high for just a moment. Hold it up real high. Yes. God bless you. I thank you for every raised hand. I thank you for every prayer of faith, believing. God, I'm thankful that you were patient concerning your second coming so that another person could receive Christ as their Savior, so that 12 or 13 or 14 could receive your Son as their Savior last Tuesday, so that churches that are preaching the gospel all over the state and all over the country and all around the world today, more people can be ready for the family of God. So thank you for your patience. But Lord, I know your patience is going to come to an end one day. And I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building would be ready for that day by being believers in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please? As we stand, if you'd like to come and receive Christ as your Savior, come ahead. If you just prayed that prayer and you'd like to share that with me, come ahead and I'll pray for you. If you need to come for some other reason for prayer or if you want to be baptized or join the church, you come ahead right now. My wife's down here, ladies. If you need someone to pray with, and guys, I'll be right down here as well. Come on, as our praise team leads us. I see song. the Lord seated on the throne,
chorus again. Let's sing that chorus again. This will be a closing the invitation. If you need to come, come ahead right now. But let's sing this and really mean it. Sing it as a prayer to God. presence once again this morning. We want to thank you for being a holy, 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 holy Lord God Almighty. We're so thankful that our eternity is in your hands. God, may we be faithful to you. Bless Israel. Bless our nation. God, be with those children that are held hostage and all the others as well and free them according to your perfect will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Have a thankful Sunday on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Thank you for being God's house.